Hey everybody, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today we are doing a single player episode. Before we go too far, I got a couple things from the network. First of all, Outlast Podcast Season 9, so crazy, starts this week. So check that out, guys. Outlast Podcast, it comes out every Thursday. Next, be sure to join us over at Challenge Accepted. We are reviewing every new episode of Ahsoka. Plus, we have a brand new episode coming out this week where we talk about Big Fish. And we only have two more episodes of Who's Got Next Game Podcast before their Season 1 is wrapped up. That new episode will be coming out this week as well. Lastly, I do want to mention we had BrickFest this last weekend. Unfortunately, I was literally there and the line was three blocks long and they were just slow, slow at letting people in that the people I were with and me, we just abandoned it. So uh, BrickFest, I'm sorry, but you guys got to be much faster than this. I mean, you're a convention. Get it together. <laughs> it was it was terrible. So uh, we'll give BrickFest another chance next year, but it was pretty, pretty, pretty sad this year. Let me know if you guys go to a Lego convention. I would love to see how they ran it. All right, let's go ahead and get into the news. Let's get into some Star Wars news. Lando Calrissian, the gambler and once owner of the Millennium Falcon, was slated to be reintroduced via a Disney Plus series. However, recent developments suggest a deviation from this plan. It was confirmed that Donald Glover's portrayal of the younger Lando Calrissian will be in a feature film instead of the previously announced Disney Plus series. But this film will be premiering on Disney Plus, so don't worry about that. The revelation comes from Steven Glover, Donald's brother and key collaborator on the Lando project. This switched from a serialized format to a cinematic one. Has a lot of us interested in why Disney made this move and what does this mean for the future of Star Wars. For context, Donald Glover first took the role as a young Lando in 2018's movie Solo A Star Wars Story. Put aside the film's lackluster reception from both fans and critics, everyone has to admit that Donald Glover's performance as Lando Calrissian was, was quite charming and charismatic, exactly what you'd expect from Lando. Lando. Given all this acclaim, it was a no-brainer that Lando was going to get his own story. Now, it's worth reflecting on Disney's initial announcement back in December 2022, where they heralded this Lando-centric Disney Plus series. However, the streaming platform's evolving strategy, leaning towards more curated content releases, appears to be the main reason backing this whole Lando change. See, Disney and many other studios are trying to scale back on how many projects they're releasing. First off, it's expensive to just keep throwing money out there. And secondly, they're diluting their brand. If we look at Disney with Marvel, we definitely see it with all these Disney Plus series. How many times have you rewatched the Hawkeye series? I mean, nobody has. And we know with Armor Wars, it also went from a series to a movie. So this is part of their grand strategy. Less projects, better quality projects, more impactful on the audience. And when you're taking a character like Lando Carizzi and an actor like Donald Glover, I want you guys to take your time, put the care into this. This isn't just a new Star Wars character you're introducing and hopefully everybody likes like Mandalorian. This is one of the original characters. He first appeared in 1980 in the Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, played by the amazing Billy Dee Williams. And in what might be the best Star Wars movie of all time, I know that's definitely up for debate, but Lando has this allure, this charisma that just makes him such a fan favorite. If you could harness that into its own franchise, it's a slam dunk. Now I mentioned this over on Headlines, but I personally think they should be using the Lando character to make a Star Wars version of Indiana Jones. Up to this point, especially with the Dave Filoni stuff, everything Star Wars has to be super connected. The Mandalorian shows, it ties to Ahsoka, ties to everything else around it, right? But if we look at Indiana Jones, each of those movies stand on their own as their own movie. They definitely reference each other, there's jokes that kind of pass amongst all of them. But you could pick any movie in the franchise and enjoy it on its own. And Lando can totally do that for Star Wars. All kinds of misadventures before he joins the Rebel Alliance, and he is heralded as a hero afterwards. 
the doors are wide open for using him. Yes, the series is cool, but I think this movie idea could really be something special. And Steven and Donald working together, I mean, they've done some really good work in the past. I think this is for the better, guys. And we've talked about it with MCU. We're talking about it here at Star Wars. Disney needs to tighten up their release schedule. It's just far too frequent. We should be excited when a new Star Wars or a new Marvel movie comes out, not bogged down by, oh, another one of these. So yes, take your time, make that Lando series land. Many of you know I've been on an anime journey, going through many of the classic animes, getting caught up on some of the fandoms, right? Well, I've got only two more episodes left of Attack on Titan. Now, for decades, Attack on Titan has been more than just an anime. It's a global phenomenon with millions of fans. It's got this intense storyline, compelling characters, and so many twists. It's got Eren, Mikasa, Armin, and a slew of just really cool heroes, and I gotta admit, really cool enemies too. It's all just like next level fandom stuff. Well, we just got some really cool news this week. A recent promotional teaser from Japan suggests that fans in the US will be treated to the series grand finale on November 4th. That means both Japan and US are getting the finale on the same day. Now the studio MAPPA, they're the ones in charge of the final season, they haven't approved the official release date for the US yet. But all the clues are pointing in that direction. We could almost confirm it. Now, if you haven't been keeping up, the stakes on this final season are just ridiculous. They had this time jump between seasons three and four. And earlier this year, we had the first part of a two-part finale. Our hero through this entire series has been Aaron. And his, like, unwavering vision for freedom is bringing destruction to humanity. It's crazy that the main character is the person who needs to be stopped. Now, Mikasa and Armin, his two best friends and their crew, are working to save the rest of the world and avert their best friend. It's very complicated. This ultimate showdown is going to be one of anime history. Now, if you haven't caught up on Attack on Titan yet, you can watch it on Hulu and Crunchyroll. I've been watching it on Hulu. They do this weird thing where it shows the dubbed and subbed episodes back to back. But somehow the Hulu player knows to just skip through all the subbed ones or dubbed ones, depending on which one you like. It doesn't take too much. It's three seasons. They are hefty seasons. The fourth season changes tone dramatically. But you guys have until November to catch up on this. I've been doing the same exact thing. We're going to be talking about the final episode both here on Geek Freaks and Challenge Accepted. And we possibly will live stream watching it. So we've done the watch party before. We did that with the Power Rangers 30th anniversary thing. We might be doing that with this too. It'll be over on the Geek Freaks Twitch channel if we do. So come and join us over there. Again, we're using our Twitch channel for special events. There's an interview coming up where we're going to be talking about one of our uh, special event streams. We'll talk about that during the interview. It's cool. But yeah, guys, Attack on Titan, we finally have the end in sight. The final season has been so emotionally draining that it's almost like, oh, thank God, it's almost over. It's torturous. <laughs> so come and join me on that. We're going to be live streaming the viewing party for that. And then uh, it's going to be reviewed here on Geek Freaks and also on Challenge Accepted. This last week, we had Destination D23. For those of you unfamiliar, this is the convention where Disney reveals what's coming up for all the Disney parks, giving us a glimpse of what they're planning in foreign parks and domestic parks. It's kind of fun just to see, you know, parks you can't really visit, how they're expanding. Before we go into this, I want to make sure to mention that in California's Disneyland, they're going through a massive expansion. So a lot of the things that are announced here, maybe for the Hong Kong Disneyland, are things that are potentially coming to California's Disneyland in the matter of like five years. We talked about it in the past, but both Disneyland and California Adventures, which is across the street, are expanding into the hotels next to it. And while we're at BlizzCon in November, we're going to be meeting up at the Sam's Trading Post, the little tiki bar that's in that area, which will likely be demolished once all these changes come into place. So come hang out with us, okay? That'll be the first day of BlizzCon. More details coming soon. All right, here are some Disney updates for parks around the world. 
the Hong Kong Disneyland will be introducing World of Frozen. Now, this land is going to be opening up here in November, and it's going to be a Frozen-themed land with two rides, Wandering Oaken's Sliding Sleighs and Frozen Ever After. But probably my favorite part is this hyper-realistic fairytale village they're creating. The concept art and everything like that looks like you're just walking down a medieval town. It's really beautiful. For Shanghai Disney Resorts, they're bringing in a Zootopia-themed land, and this will come with the ride Zootopia Hot Pursuit. You're going to be joining both Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde as they're both on patrol. Remember, he becomes a, a cop at the end of that movie as well. We know that Zootopia is becoming a new TV series and stuff. They're, they're doubling down on Zootopia, part of a Disney strategy we talked about in the past, where they're going to be leaning in on projects that have already worked in the past. All right, now these next ones are a little bit closer to home. So in the Hollywood Studios over at Disney World for California's Disneyland Parks and for Disneyland Paris, we're getting Ahsoka Tano joining the Star Tours. It's going to be based off of the show that's coming out right now. And we do know that David Tennant's Hugh Young will be a part of it. So he'll probably be like helping us train Jedis or something like that. And it's going to be pretty cool. And for the wider Disney resorts, the theatrical release of Wish on November 22nd is also going to be putting in an Asha character throughout the resorts. So she's going to be having her own meet and greets. You guys can hang out with her, have pictures taken with her. It's what you expect from the other Disney princesses, but they've announced that it will be on the same day of the movie release, November 22nd. Over at the Magic Kingdom, they're going to be adding the infamous Hatbox Ghost towards the end of the ride. This is a Disneyland in California, like, staple, but they're finally giving Magic Kingdom their own version of them. They're also going to be revamping the Country Bear Jamboree for Magic Kingdom, and that's going to be in late 2024. They're saying that this new music revamp is going to be taking classic Disney songs, but making them a country twist. I think that'd be really neat. I wouldn't mind Disneyland here in California getting those back. We used to have Country Bear Jamboree. Now it's all Winnie the Pooh. And then they said the Adventureland in Magic Kingdom is going to be revamping its Pirates of the Caribbean themed lounge. But there's no strict timeline for that. It's something that's kind of early in development right now. For the Epcot area, they're talking about Journey of the Water. It's inspired by Moana. That's coming out here in October, and they showed a lot of the visuals for it, and it just looks so cool. It's really about bringing people into a nature-based world. I think this is a must-visit. If, if you're in the Epcot area, I mean, October, I would swing by this. This is awesome. And then if you're in the... Di and Disney's Animal Kingdom is going to be adding a Zootopia-themed Tree of Life theater. And it's a very large-scale production all about Zootopia. They also teased a couple things that are very far down the road, but they also include like Animal Kingdom getting this revamped to Dino Land USA, influenced by Central America, and it would have parts like Encanto and Indian Jones added into it, and also starting a Beyond Thunder Mountain project that would be the size of Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. Those are all very far down the road, but kind of gives you guys an idea of where they're going with all this. I hope for the Disneyland expansion that we add the Frozen World and get some of the Zootopia World in there. Guys. Zootopia thing is a fun movie, and I'm so glad they're doubling down on that now. Let me know what part of Disneyland you're most excited to see get revamped. Before we go too much farther, I want to tell you about Magic Mind. I told you about these wonderful energy drinks before, but now they're over on Amazon, making it even easier to get a new supply. You could either buy them one at a time or subscribe and save 5% on every order. Like I've mentioned before, this is a nice drink that I drink after my coffee. There's no jitters. It relieves stress. It's got that maca tea and vitamin B12, which my doctor says I need more of, so that's great. As you guys know, every morning I'm cracking out those new headlines. I'm working hard on editing podcasts. I need the fuel to keep me focused and going throughout the full busy morning. 
and Magic Mind is my tool for that. Now, I would not suggest something that doesn't work. I feel that Magic Mind works great. It just cleans up that brain fog and, and, and really keeps me focused on my, my goals for the morning. And I want you to give it a shot too. So again, I'm going to put a link in the description. When you get your Magic Mind, I want you to DM me. Hey, Frank, I just got the Magic Mind. Let us know about your journey and we want to talk to you about it. See how it's working for you. This stuff keeps me focused every morning. All that content I'm giving you guys every morning, I want you to thank Magic Mind and my coffee pot. We had a new Nintendo Direct, and this feels like it's the big final Nintendo Direct for our current Nintendo Switch. So here are the games, the biggest games announced, not every game, there's a ton of games announced. Here are the biggest ones announced and what, uh, what we're looking forward to. First off, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. Nintendo is remastering yet another beloved game, Paper Mario, The Ten Thousand Year Door. The remastered version will feature updated visuals and will be released next year on the Nintendo Switch. This is from the GameCube. It's a gorgeous gorgeous game and I would argue that the it's the best of the Paper Mario franchise. This also feels like one of two final large games coming out on the Switch. One, again I'm referencing these rumors that the Switch 2 is coming out in 2024 after some Gamescom behind closed door showcasing going on. The next big reveal was Mario vs Donkey Kong. Again a remake from a 2004 GBA release. Now this is going to be this couch co-op kind of uh, one vs one battle royale type thing it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun the gba version i did not have a chance to play but it's kind of taking the essence of the original donkey kong games and making that into a widespread adventure with all kinds of obstacles that you could jump through and stuff like that it's very gorgeous i will say that like nintendo's new remaster department or whatever holy cow they are killing it it's, it's pretty impressive now the second punch in this like one two punch that they're doing for the finale for the switch this one's coming out march 22nd 2024 it's Princess Peach Showtime. The game features gameplay where Princess Peach transforms into different forms, different costumes basically, and it's all this theater-based thing. So one point she's uh, like a musketeer with a rapier. Next, she's a detective and she's looking for clues. She's a chef. She's doing mini games. I think this game's extremely important for one major reason. This feels like a new era for Princess Peach. We had the Mario movie, widely successful, and we saw our Princess Peach in there really far more capable than Mario, right? This elevates the character beyond on just being the damsel in distress, something that Nintendo has been needing to do for a long time now. Well, Princess Peach Showtime could be the start of an entire new franchise, where we'll see Princess Peach, you know, change into multiple different gameplay fields, much like a Kirby. I have a feeling that Princess Peach is probably the most important game Nintendo is currently working on. I know it's a big statement, but it's it's big. Next, we got F-099. Now, the, <laughs> the attention this game got from the fans online. You have a bunch of people that are so mad that there's not a brand new F-Zero game coming out. I mean, Nintendo has a essentially abandoned this franchise for so long. Meanwhile, you have a ton of other fans that are like, hey, it's something. So if you guys remember Tetris 99, it was this battle royale within the old school Tetris. Essentially, that's what this is too. It's the old Super Nintendo F-Zero, but you're going to be playing with 99 people on the track and it's last man standing and it should be a lot of fun. I like how a lot of the visuals have been showing off like we're going for chaos here and you know, I'm cool with that. You don't have to have everything super polished, super balanced. Sometimes you just want to put 99 different cars on a track and just see what happens. That's what we're going to have on this one. It should be blessed. All right, two more of the newer announcements. We have a Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3 remaster coming out. It's going to be a collection that has all the games combined, and this will be out February 14th, 2024. It was announced for the Switch, but I have a feeling this might be coming out on other systems, especially since Tomb Raider and Xbox's relationship has been very close lately. This remaster is going to include all the expansions and secret levels and have the ability to switch back and forth between the original polygon look and the uh, more polished look of today. Now, it's important 
important to note this is a remaster not a remake the games are not going to be you know to today's standards but they are a big improvement from the old ones that's for sure and last announcement of note is that we're getting luigi's mansion 2 hd again a fan favorite of the franchise luigi's mansion's always been pretty solid number two is really good it's going to be a remaster for the switch this is coming out next summer now if you're like me you probably realized boy that's a lot of remasters i think that's because most the game development power is going into brand new games coming out on a brand new system speculation and rumors but it feels like based off of these reveals and announcements these were all kind of i would say easier projects to get underway i mean if you look at like the paper mario you're basically just going hd on that even the mario vs donkey kong you already have the level design stuff like that princess peach is a whole new game that one's heavy duty but i really feel like this is uh, nintendo kind of showing their hand a little bit they are working on the switch 2 and we're all just waiting for that announcement really we have often talked about the FTC versus Microsoft trials currently going on. Now, reminder, this is all about the Activision Blizzard buyout and whether or not this would create a new monopoly. But for the purposes of this story, it's all about the legal documents that are coming out of this thing. And a new document that just released settles a long time debate. After a lot of back and forth, it seems we finally have clarity over whether or not Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be an Xbox and PC exclusive. Well, the game that many have been eagerly waiting for, it seems, will not be gracing the PlayStation 5. Now let's take a look back down memory lane. In 2021, the gaming world was set ablaze when Microsoft acquired Bethesda for an insane amount of $7.5 billion. Gamers worldwide were speculating, would the future of Bethesda be only Xbox exclusives? Well, it sounds like Axios reporter Steven Tatrillo has our answers. He drew his attention to an unsealed document. Steven points to the Elder Scrolls 6 is projected to be Xbox and PC exclusive, and to keep your horses in check, it's not expected until, get this, late 2026. Now, this isn't the first time that Bethesda has already proven that they're going to be Xbox exclusives. Redfall was Xbox only, and Starfield, the game that's currently taking over the world, is Xbox and PC exclusive. But Elder Scrolls is such a notorious name. If anything was going to break the exclusivity mold, it was going to be that one. But this shift points to the clear pattern that Microsoft has game plans for Bethesda's biggest titles. These are the games they're going to try to entice you over to the Xbox for. Now, a curveball for all you tech buffs out there. Considering that the end of 2026 is also the end of the Xbox Series X and S's lifespan, will Elder Scrolls 6 be a launch title for the new Xbox system? I know it almost turns my stomach to think there's a new Xbox system around the corner, but they said both PlayStation and Xbox plan on new consoles for 2026. And if you look at the Switch and the Xbox One and PS4, the timing is about right. The Switch came out halfway through their lifespans. This also wouldn't be the first time that Elder Scrolls launched an Xbox. Xbox 360 launched with Oblivion, Call of Duty 2, and I believe it was Halo 3. That system, outside of the Red Ring of Death, would become one of the best-selling video game systems ever. For now, though, Bethesda says, hold your horses. They are currently only in early development. We have to remember that 2026 is still three years away. And the Activision Blizzard deal is not done, so a lot of the landscape in gaming is going to change. I do find it quite interesting that while we're concerned about Call of Duty and Activision becoming just exclusively on Xbox, and Xbox is saying, no, 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 we would never do that, Elder Scrolls is being pulled away from PlayStation fans. This makes sense in my opinion, like I know I'm an Xbox fanboy, but exclusivities is part of gaming. I don't plan on playing a God of War on an Xbox. But this new regenerated console wars is getting heated and... I'm enjoying them, if I'm being honest. And while everything's pretty unsure right now, I do believe for Bethesda's sake, it will be exclusively on Xbox going forward. 
Unity, the game engine behind iconic games like Rust, Pokemon Go, Hearthstone, dropped quite the announcement this week. They have a new development fee that's going to be called the Runtime Fee, has caused ripples across the development space, and prompted a storm of questions and backlash. So first, what does this fee entail? Starting from January 1st, 2024, Unity will introduce a fee based on a game's installation and revenue. This means that Unity's personal and Unity Plus users, which are basically majority of their users, will see a new fee kick in once they cross the $200,000 in annual revenue or, this is the important part, 200,000 installations. Now, if you're a Unity Pro member or Enterprise member, basically Hearthstone people, that won't be until $1 million in annual revenue or 1 million installs. So this new fee is going to be 20 cents per additional install. Now, understandably, developers are very concerned, right? Free-to-play games or charity games are particularly at risk. I mean, creators are unsure about the potential implications of this. Gary Newman, the boss over at Rust, a very popular game, he aired his apprehension about potentially paying Unity a staggering $200,000 every month due to their installs. And for smaller developers, those indie developers, particularly those like midway through their projects, they're grappling with the unprecedented the nature of this decision. Their concerns range from, you know, the direct cost involved with the more complex issues, including privacy concerns, and the challenges of accurately measuring installations all of a sudden, and even the possible introduction of a digital rights management tool by Unity. I've seen it best compared to the idea of when an indie developer wakes up in the morning, they're so excited to see, oh wow, my game blew up overnight and all of a sudden I have the ability to pay my bills. My years of work are finally paying off and I can become a video game developer full time. Here is a potential career for me. And after this thing comes in, if a game blows up overnight and they're free to play and they don't have some sort of gimmicky way of raising money up through their game, if their game becomes popular overnight, they could be financially ruined. And a whole new concern that's being raised up through this is the potential use of Unity's fee to attack game developers. Currently, review bombing is a huge problem in the gaming industry, movies as well. When people don't like a game for political statements or for whatever reason, really, they'll review bomb a game, making the scores for the game go dramatically down and not really reflecting the value of the game. The harm in this is if somebody comes to the game without any previous knowledge of the review bombing, they might see these reviews and assume the game is bad and not buy it. Now that sucks, but for the most part, if you're seeking a game out, you generally know it's decent. And if a game is big enough to be review bombed, then it's kind of big enough to be a household name in a gaming community. So yes, it's bad, but not the worst. Now, think of it this way. If you and a bunch of your troll buddies are really mad at a game because they don't agree with the way you think, you could engage them, your big troll base, and have them all download this free-to-play game that was free. You know, Hearthstone is free. And suddenly you're pulling 20 cents out every time from the company's pocket, let alone the fact that you could have bots doing this for you. Suddenly, bad reviews is nothing compared to bankrupting a company overnight due to your friends, due to your fan base, and due to bots set up just installing a game. Unity says that they're going to be able to track this, but game developers said there's no way they can. Now, on Unity's side, they try to respond to this widespread backlash by releasing an FAQ post. They provided some clarity, but for the most part was just upsetting. They were going to do this town hall where they were going to sit there and explain it to developers, but it was canceled due to widespread bomb threats. And now rumors are saying that the bomb threats came from inside of Unity. Clearly, this is a huge mistake on Unity's side, and they've come out and said, like, we're going to restructure some things, but that fee's not going anywhere. And there are a bunch of indie game developers that are having to stop and start again on projects, going to other engines or Unreal Engine or something like that to try to recoup their efforts. This move by Unity could shift the gaming development of so many games in this industry for years to come. I personally hope Unity completely reverses their decision on this. 
here are the new comic books this week you guys should be going to your local comic book shops and picking up number one by far saga number 66 if you guys know us you know we're big fans of saga the journey continues this is an amc or hbo series in the waiting if you're unfamiliar with saga i highly suggest you pick up some of the trade books they're relatively cheap like ten dollars that first trade is so good to get you hooked in that's my biggest recommendation matter of fact that's my recommendation for the week as well so is that you pick up saga you've heard us talk about it plenty of times next we have batman superman world's finest number 19 this is gonna be wrapping up their origin story for this world's finest and we see them going toe-to-toe with Riddler and the Phantom Zone. The Phantom Zone is such a Superman classic, right? By the end of this, both characters are going to be learning something about each other. They're going to lock them into the friendship. Let's just hope it's not Martha. <laughs> oh, goodness. Next, we have Superman number six. The art on this is so spectacular. It's almost like retro and new. It's really cool. and It's a brand new storyline. I like to share brand new storylines. Great places to jump in. This storyline called The Chained. This is going to be following up the event from uh, the event called Night Terrors. So it's a nice, fresh, light, airy Superman. That being said, it is all about him taking revenge on Lex Luthor for keeping somebody locked up into in the in a prison on a abandoned island so light and airy in that way <laughs> that's superman number six can't go wrong all right for you collectors out there you gotta grab wolverine number 37 it's paying homage to the classic wolverine first appearance when he fought hulk it's gonna be wolverine and hulk on the cover of this one as well and this is the beginning of a whole new journey for wolverine as he's trekking through the marvel universe this is part of the new story arc called the last mutant standing and it's gonna be part one Speaking of a new storyline, we have Captain America number one. This is going to be a time jumping adventure where we're going to see villains trying to go back in time and stop Steve Rogers from taking the super soldier serum. So we have future Steve Rogers trying to protect himself. The art on this is very interesting. It's done by Jesus Says, and he used to do uh, the Iceman comic books, which were kind of like not really given the attention they should have gotten. So they're giving him another crack at a much bigger title. He's also worked on Doctor Strange and Punisher and Swamp Thing on the sides. But this is a big promotion for him. I wish him the best of luck. All right, guys, remember, head to your local comic book shops, support local businesses. If there are no local comic book shops to you, Marvel has Marvel Unlimited, which lets you access all their comic books. DC has DC. DC has DC Universe. And then I particularly use Comixology, which is kind of a combination of the two. But let's support that comic book industry. All right, everybody, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you so much for joining me, especially on these episodes, the single player ones. I know they're a little wonky, but scheduling for podcasts, by far the hardest part. But I truly appreciate everybody in the Geek Freaks Network, and we have so much stuff coming your way. A lot of the shows that have been offline for a while are coming back from their breaks and recording now. And we have a couple new things coming down the pipeline that uh, are pretty exciting. If you want to shape the future of Geek Freaks, or maybe you even have an idea or something like that, in our Discord, we have the Creator Council. It's a place where you could submit an idea, get some feedback on it, give feedback on the direction of Geek Freaks or any other thing that people are working on. It's just a place for us to hang out. I love our Discord, and it's such a positive place. I don't think we've ever had a troublemaker in there. Knock on wood. But come and hang out with us over in Discord. And of course, follow us on all our social medias. And give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We haven't gotten a review there in a bit. We've been growing in like the YouTube spaces and stuff like that. All fantastic. But we, you know, I like those Apple Podcast reviews too, guys. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much for joining us. We have an interview coming out on Thursday. Fascinating interview with Amber from Level.Games. And uh, whew, that's a good one. All right. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Bye.